loves a good ghost story? Who loved a good ghost story when you were little? I can remember times when my cousins, we would all get together, and, and of course it always happened after dark, and uh, they would tell ghost stories. And of course, as if they were true. I'm not sure they really had anything to do with the actual story other than just making the youngest cousin among them scared to go to sleep. I think that was their real purpose. We like to scare one another sometimes, I think. We are familiar with the story we've told this morning. Today is the third Sunday of Easter. I think sometimes we in the church forget Easter is not just one day, one Sunday in the year. Easter is a season in the church. Like I said on Easter Sunday, Easter is not just a one-time event. Easter is a process. Resurrection is a way of life. Thus, Easter is a whole series of weeks in the church year. Seven weeks, actually. Celebrate the third week and another post-resurrection appearance of Jesus in the telling of our story as followers of the way. In this story, once again, we find the disciples gathered together, and I think it's safe to presume they were behind locked doors. It's important to remember, even with the advent of Easter morning and the empty tomb, this group of Jesus' followers were still bound by fear. As in other tellings of the story, they feared the Roman Empire, they feared some of the religious elite of their time. Even, I suppose, based on Peter's fear and de de denial, they feared the people who may be willing to hand them over to the authorities and an example be made of them. They were behind locked doors. Understandably so. They had just lost their leader to a most violent empire in a public and humiliating way. And even though they have seen, even though they have experienced the risen presence and heard the stories of the women who in Luke's telling, they said, they're just women, they don't know anything. Well, <laughs> idle tales, they said. And I'll just repeat what I said Easter morning, that, you know, if it weren't for the women preachers, the resurrection story wouldn't have ever gotten out. These men, these men are still afraid. I think of those times when I have lost loved ones. Certainly not as as horrific as is described by the story of Jesus, but lost loved ones to disease or accident or tragedy, and I too could be found behind locked doors. Uninterested in going out, uninterested in being around others, not fueled by the kind of fear we see in this story, but another kind of fear. 
Fear of letting emotions get the best of me in public. Fear of seeming weak. Fear of not having my life together. Fear of how people would respond to me. Fear someone would ask how I'm doing. Fear of the expectations some people put on us when we are grieving. That somehow it's time to get over it and back to work or back to socializing. When there is no timeline for grief. We all process it and deal with it differently. Some are ready and need to get back to some sense of normalcy, whatever that is, as soon as they can. And some of us need time, lots of time, to separate ourselves in order to cope. I suspect many of us have experienced similar feelings and fears when we have been touched by tragedy and loss and death. And for a time, staying behind those locked doors, whether they're literal or figurative, are matters of survival. And here is where we meet the disciples this morning. Fear is not good or bad. Fear simply is. Fear can save our lives, and fear can eat us alive. Fear can help us survive and thrive, and fear can weigh us down and swallow us up. What do you fear? What are the fears you carry with you? Over the centuries, there has been and continues to be much conversation about the literalness of the resurrection of Jesus. It is almost always spoken of this time of year. Was it a literal bodily resuscitation? Was it a spiritual supernatural presence? Was it more spirit, apparition, ghost? The stories we have are kind of a bit of a mixed bag. The stories we have don't agree with one another. It would appear, according to those stories, it was kind of both and, if you will. While we are told the post-resurrection Jesus invited those who encountered him to touch his physical body and ate with them, we are also told not only appeared unexplicably through locked doors, but also disappeared without warning or need for a door. So the stories we have are conflicted, or at least a mystery. And to add to that curiousness, that the earliest story we have in the canon of Scripture, the Gospel of Mark, where there were no sightings of the risen Jesus in the original, or the earliest text we have, it's left much room for pondering exactly what kind of appearance the disciples experienced those first days of Easter. It reminds me of one of those, one of my favorite sayings, when um, th th that saying that says, I don't know if this story happened exactly this way, but I know it's true. What we hear this morning in Luke's telling of the story is, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified because they thought they were seeing a ghost. Now, in the context of Luke's telling, these are the same disciples the women have just told Jesus, to, have just told that Jesus 
had been raised from the dead. These are the same disciples from whom Peter went and witnessed the empty tomb himself. These are the same disciples who were told of the experience of the Emmaus Road where two of them had seen and sat at table with and broke bread with the risen Jesus. And when they recognized him, he vanished. Now they have listened to this story and they are talking about it. And Jesus appears among them. Startled and terrified. Now Jesus kind of rebukes them for that. He's like, why are you afraid? Why are you doubting? But, But there's that little realistic part of me that thinks, what would I do in that situation? They were startled and terrified. Really? (laughs) Imagine that. They have just witnessed the death of Jesus. They have seen and know something is up. And now they see a ghost. How How do your fears manifest themselves in your life? Where do you see ghosts? You know, I think about my cousins and my brother telling me ghost stories and then I go to bed and my imagination could always conjure up all kinds of beasts. How do your ghosts manifest themselves? This is a ghost story. Can you see why it can be difficult for historians and scholars and theologians, followers of the way, (coughs) to nail down exactly what happened, what it looked like, how the early church experienced it. In the progressive Christian tradition, these kinds of wrestlings and questions are not only okay, expected. We should strive to know all we can. Can we prove the bodily resurrection of Jesus? No. Can we say beyond any reasonable doubt that we know his body was resuscitated from death and he physically walked the earth on Easter morning? But proving it is different than knowing or believing. Even our canon of scripture does not have a clear, concise collection of stories regarding Easter morning and the days that follow. The four Gospels don't agree exactly what happened, not to mention the extra-biblical context and texts that we have. I've long appreciated progressive theologians, Marcus Borg and John Dominic Crossan, and others as I read their ponderings of the resurrection. Borg writes, Believe what you want about the first Easter morning, that Jesus was bodily resurrected, or that it was a spiritual reality and not physical, or that it was more of a spiritual apparition or a ghost, if you will. More importantly, he says, how does the resurrection story, whatever happened, help deepen your faith in the here and now? How does what you believe about the resurrection help you make this world a better place in which to live? How does what you believe about the resurrection help you make justice happen, help you love as God loves, help you be the very reflection of God in the world? Those are the weightier matters of faith. As for the experience of the disciples and our inability to know exactly what happened, other scholars have pointed out as well. That regardless of what we believe about that literalness or lack thereof, of that first Easter morning, something happened. 
resurrection, experience, presence, a plan to further the ministry and mission of Jesus. Whatever something was, these disciples went from frightened followers behind locked doors to fearless tellers of the story. This ghost story. It becomes fuel for their lives, the fuel for their passions, the fuel by which they will embody and live out the love and life of the Jesus they follow. Like I said two weeks ago, resurrection is not a one-time event. It happens over and over and over again. New life. Presence. A presence that bids us rise. It is similar to Crossan's thoughts and theologian Brandon Scott's writings that point to the risen Christ as the body of Christ. Less the literal body of Christ, but more the followers, the early church, who will rise again and carry on the life and love and ministry of Jesus. A story that fuels our own passion and commitment and experience of the divine. Some might say it is a haunting of sorts, this missing place in the heart and soul, an absence on the mind that draws one attention to something beyond something greater than ourselves and our knowing. And yet perhaps it's not so much a haunting, not a missing, not an absolute, rather of a presence here and now that never really left. That in this moment, bound in the presence of love, we know this is what we're called to. In my pondering of ghosts and resurrection and life and love, I've considered ghosts not so much in the sense of scary and frightening, though some may be, but rather the ghosts of persons, circumstances, experiences that we carry with us that haunt us in a way, haunt us to deepen our journey of life and faith, our connection to the divine, one another and the world around us, haunt us in a way that connects us to something beyond what we can know and yet as close as the very air we breathe. I wonder what our ghosts that haunt us to be better persons might be. Better followers of Jesus and the world. One that reminds us to always be conscious of those who inspire and call us forward into the world to make a difference. To work toward creating that beloved community, if you will. What are those ghosts that remind us we are connected not only in this tangible reality but in that expansive mystery beyond what we can know. However we celebrate this resurrection season, this Easter season, this season of new life, it is about connection. Connection to one another, connection to the divine, connection to the spirit that carries us, inspires us to live more fully into the unique child of the divine we are. Embraced and embrace welcomed and welcoming transformed and transforming loved and loving here and now and we use all that is at our disposal for fuel in that call and mission to create a community where love and justice are the rule and not the exception where fear and uncertainty and doubt and wonderment and pondering and believing all become catalysts for change and healing in a world that needs change and healing so desperately. Like never before, it would seem. 
Resurrection is a daily occurrence. Sometimes we are the resurrected ones. Sometimes we are the catalyst for resurrection to bring new life and new ways. Regardless of where you are in this moment, rise. Be justice. Be compassion. Be love. Be resurrected in a world around you because it's counting on you. May it be so. May it be so. Amen.